I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to PFN's premier fantasy football podcast. I am your co-host for the show today, Tommy Garrett, fantasy analyst here at Pro Football Network, and I am joined today by my good friend, Jason Katz. Katz, how you doing, my man? I am doing wonderful, as always. Looking forward to diving back into these rookie wide receivers. Uh, we hit the first round guys in our last episode, and now we are all set to take on the second round guys and whoever came after that. So it should be a real fun show. Yeah, like you just said, we've we you guys have already started this uh, when it was you and BJ. You guys were kind of going through some of these different positions. You guys started with quarterbacks and running backs. Me and you, we just recorded the other day the first part of the wide receivers, kind of going over the first round guys, the ones who we expect to be the more likely fantasy relevant players in 2022. But there are still a ton of other guys that were selected. We're going to do our best right now to dive into some of these guys. Talk about some of the ones that may not be the first names off the board but you could see dotted around playoff teams as the season progresses, whether it's due to injury or just these rookies finally getting their legs underneath of them and becoming some dominant players in fantasy football. I think what we'll do, we'll start things off sitting here in the second round. This is going to be with the first receiver who was taken outside of the first round. That is going to be Christian Watson, the do-it-all guy out of North Dakota State. I think he was a really interesting one because he brings a ton of upside when you look at his size. Um, Over six foot four, 208 pounds over 10-inch hands, then goes out there and dominates the combine, 4-3-6-4. He had a top-five vertical jump at 38.5 inches and a best-in-class broad jump at 30, uh, 136 inches. Uh, the guy was incredible. 104 catches uh, on his career, t- uh, 10, uh, 20.5 yards per reception. He played at the Alabama of FCS schools. The question is, how's that translation going to happen going from FCS to the NFL? I think all of the upside is there. And I think the situation lends it to one where, yeah, there's a relatively open path to targets uh, because you don't have Devontae Adams on this team anymore. Sorry, spoiler alert, in case you tuned out and missed that big trade that happened. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers came back, but Devontae Adams didn't put take that one off your bingo card. Uh, but I think it's an interesting situation. What do you think about Christian Watson in uh, in Green Bay? The opportunity is definitely there. As of right now, Alan Lazard is poised to be the wide receiver one, but we don't know who's necessarily going to start at wide receiver two. I can't imagine that they're going to go forward with Sammy Watkins in that role. There's just no way. I will take Christian Watson. I will take almost every receiver on this team or in the NFL over Sammy Watkins in the year 2022. Okay, here's the thing, though. 
you know what happens every single year. If you, when anyone who plays DFS, what do you do the very first week? You put Sammy Watkins in your DFS lineup because that's the only week you're guaranteed he's going to be healthy. If Sammy Watkins is on the field, I wouldn't be surprised if he is playing that Z role until Christian Watson gets his feet underneath him. But I think it's that pending injury, which always happens to Sammy Watkins, especially hamstrings. That's what could lead to a bigger role. But I, I, I agree with you. Like, to me, it seems like madness they don't play him, but it's, it is what it is. One guy's a proven veteran. The other one is coming out of FCS. And we've seen this time and time again, where we love these rookies, these guys that are super athletic. We're, we're so excited about them. And then there's this established veteran who's kind of just okay. And the rookie plays behind him. And I really think that, unfortunately, we're going to get Sammy Watkins lining up opposite Lazard in two receiver sets. Will Watson play three receiver sets, pushing uh, perhaps Watkins or Lazard into the slot? Maybe. I wouldn't rule out Randall Cobb playing three receiver sets. I don't think he really goes into the slot just because they still have uh, Randall Cobb, who probably projects to be the, the the slot receiver of that team too. Plus, you have Amari Rodgers who can kind of do it. It's it's really just that battle for the the perimeter. Um, if the Green Bay Packers want to run a lot more like three, four wide receiver sets, um, which I could see them doing, trying to offset the loss of Devontae Adams, then I think we're going to see all these guys on the field. Then it just comes down to pecking order and trust for Aaron Rodgers, which we know is what's so critical. Uh, for him in this offense. Like, I think there's absolutely a path for Christian Watson to get utilization pretty early, and it's he's getting thrown to from the back-to-back MVP, and I think that's got to absolutely count for something. Um, very few guys that were drafted are going to a team with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I think that has to count for something, but like I said, it's it's that whole opportunity. If anything, I think the biggest thing for me is just draft Alan Lazard and make it easy on yourself because you're going to get Alan Lazard after Christian Watson comes off the board. I think Alan Lazard might be the best value in terms of wide receivers going into the 2022 season. I don't think he's going to be the best, but if you're telling me I can get Aaron Rodgers number one target after some of these other guys, I think that might be a smart play. I don't know about you. Yeah, but but you know what's going to happen is I think we can say that Christian Watson's best individual week this season will probably be better than Alan Lazard's. The problem is you won't know when it's going to be. You're going to have no idea. He's going to have a couple of weeks where he pops off a 70-yard touchdown and he has 20 fantasy points. I, I really think he's just going to be a, a better version of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And he wasn't fantasy valuable. He wasn't fantasy viable last year. So I, I, Watson will have his moments where he's picked up and he's on rosters and he's in your lineup. But I don't think you're going to really know when to start him and he's not going to have any consistently reliable production. Yeah, I think at best he becomes a... Low end wide receiver to likely flex play, but at worst, he is a more inconsistent version of Marquez Valdez Scanlon. Bet on that with your draft capital, however much you would like. Because um, I think there's there's two totally different outcomes that can happen. Um, while majority of these are going to be in order, I think it just kind of makes a little sense if we just want to talk about the other Packers receiver that they drafted. Uh, this one being in the fourth round, 27th pick of the fourth round. And this is going to be in Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada. Um, 6-2-201, led the FBS in catches, uh, touchdowns, and receiving yards on post routes. So something that Aaron Rodgers loves to do is target those deep balls over the middle. Romeo Dobbs was that guy for uh, for Nevada. Uh, was Carson Strong's probably number one target outside of the red zone. Then Cole Turner kind of took over once they got in there. I think Dobbs brings some upside. I think he can shake defenders pretty darn well the line of scrimmage. He's got pretty good size between length and body control. Is he a guy that really wows me? No, not at all, personally. I think he probably projects to be more just a, a perimeter guy. It's He won't be a PPR asset, but it's one of those where the I think the opportunity shakes out to where 
he can kind of get in the mix on those third wide receiver, fourth wide receiver kind of sets. I think it makes some sense in those weeks, but primarily it's going to come down to an injury, whether or not Romeo Dobbs gets on the field. Probably not someone we see really relevant for the 2022 season. If you want to take a shot on him, I think best ball would probably be the only place I would look at it on personally. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him to get on the field, but I can see a realistic path that involves some injuries and some poor play. I do think he's better than Amari Rodgers, so that puts him, for me at least, as their wide receiver four out of the gate, but he's still going to be behind Lazard, Watson, Watkins, and Cobb. Um, Cobb has struggled with injury later in his career, and we know Watkins can't stay healthy, so if they both go down and Dobbs is on the field in three receiver sets, then yeah, there might be something there. I think he'll probably be worth at least picking up in fantasy at that point. But we're talking about uh, down the line in the season. It's unlikely to happen early on. I don't see anyone drafting him in a standard-sized 12-team league. The thing that's interesting to me, if that does happen, between Alan Lazar, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, the amount of size they have on the field, even when we throw in Robert Tanya in the red zone, good luck to most defenses out there. You don't have enough cornerbacks tall enough to stop these guys. Um I think at this point we'll move back kind of in draft order, more or less. We'll move here to the second round still. At pick number 11, the second round, this is going to be Wandale Robinson, the do-it-all guy out of Kentucky. He was a really interesting guy for me when I was just kind of watching him back at Nebraska in his very first two years. Uh, His receiving share and just how much he was involved in the offense was sensational. Um, Go back to that 2020 season at Nebraska. Yeah, he only had 51 receptions and... 461 yards and a touchdown more times than not. You would say, wow, that was awful. That was actually 33% of the team's wide receiver uh, of the team's receiving share. That's pretty darn good. Then we go. He has transfers away, goes Kentucky, 104 receptions, 1,334 yards, seven touchdowns accounts for 43% of the reception share and 3.64% of the team yards per passing attempt. He's a really interesting guy. Does interesting mean the most fantasy upside? Probably not, because this is a rather, I don't want to say stacked, but I think it is a a deep wide receiver room when everyone is healthy. And this was the problem with the New York Giants. No one was healthy at the same time. I don't think the combination it was of uh, um, Evan Ingram, Galladay, Shepard, Tony, and Slate, I don't think any of them were ever all on the field at the same time. I'm going to have a hard time expecting the same thing to happen this year between Galladay, Sterling Shepard. He's still nursing his injury. What's going on with Kadarius Toney? Because he went from being, okay, potential trade candidate, and then Joe Sheen pretty much shot down everything when it comes to that. The Wondell Robinson move almost looked like the replacement for Kadarius Toney if something doesn't work out because they're going to kind of fill that same role. I think Toney is going to be the more bursty style guy. I think he's got a little bit more short area quickness. Wandale Robinson, he's a little bit thicker, so you can kind of use him in different situations, but it's, is there enough to go around all this offense with Daniel Jones? I don't know. I think Brian Dable, the bringing him in as a head coach, I think it's going to help things out a ton. Um, even Mike Kafka as the passing game coordinator, I think it's only going to help some things and kind of get a, a new style look offense for the Giants. I think it's going to help everyone. I know a lot of people are hoping for Brian Dable to kind of take that maturation step with Daniel Jones, kind of what he did with Josh Allen. But at the end of the day, you need a quarterback like Josh Allen to take that kind of step. Daniel Jones really isn't that guy. For me, there's probably too many options on this offense for me to really be excited about one individual person. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Wondell for this year? 
I'll give you what I think. And again, of course, I could be wrong on this, but my opinion of Wandale is that he's the type of player that needs manufactured touches. He needs a play caller to design plays for him. That's a good comparison. Yes. Uh, Even though I think Wandale is is more shifty. No, no, no. I'm I'm just saying the players in that same kind of line that that benefit from generated touches that need a creative play caller. The same thing that we said a couple years ago with Rondale Moore. A guy who, if you, you you had a creative play caller, boom, they go off. And what ends up happening? Rondo Moore ends up having the lowest A dot of any wide receiver in the NFL. No, I'm not still upset about this. Thank you for asking. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I mean, bringing up Rondell Moore is actually a very, very good example because that is my fear with Wondell Robinson. And Rondell Moore is playing in an explosive Cardinals offense, an air raid supposedly offense with Kyler Murray. Wondell Robinson is playing... With Daniel Jones, who I have been on record for a couple of years now, I do not think Daniel Jones is an NFL caliber starting quarterback. I do not think he's the Giants starting quarterback in 2023. The only reason he's still the starting quarterback now is because the Giants just didn't see anyone worth taking this year. I was say, was this before or after he fell on his face wide open running for a touchdown? <laughs> oh, this is before, but that definitely okay, didn't help. Cool. Got it, got it. I just want to see where we're at. <laughs> so my, my concern with Wandale is is twofold. One, will the Giants manufacture him touches? And two, what will a quarterback like Daniel Jones, who does not have that precision accuracy that he needs to, to get him those, those targets and get him those, those receptions near the line of scrimmage. Cause we know that one Robinson primarily operates at or around the line of scrimmage. He needs those touches needs to get into space. Will the Giants do that? Can Daniel Jones do that? And that is on an offense that like you said, already features Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard. If he can get back from his torn Achilles, Darius Slayton and Kadarius Tony. There are a, I don't want to say there are a lot of mouths to feed because there may not be. And I, I hate that cliche term, but there I know, are, I know we all use it, it though. It, it's just, it's, it's tough because what else is there to say when you have a bunch of players, none of which I really necessarily view as an alpha. Cause I'm kind of down on Kelly Galladay now, but maybe he's the uh, alpha there. If anything for me, Sterling Shepard is the best receiver they have on this team, but maybe that's just me. Th- thank you. The point is, I'd be very surprised if Wondell Robinson had more than maybe one or two moments, kind of like Ronald Moore did last year, that one game when he had that like 80-yard touchdown where he all of a sudden, oh, is this the time? No, it's just one random play. I think that's what yeah. we're looking at with Wondell Robinson. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you. Um, we'll see what happens. I just don't have my expectations very high. And based off where I'm seeing in rankings as of right now, although it's so early, He's kind of in rankings as like the wide receiver 80 to 90 range. That kind of leads me to believe that majority of the industry is probably low on him as well. Um, we'll kind of move on to the next pick here. A guy that went directly after him, pick 12 of the second round. This is going to be John Mechie, the wide receiver of out of Alabama. Polished route runner, very solid receiver. He brings a lot of traits you want out of a guy you can either move in the slot or kind of use him on the perimeter. The question for John Mechie, is the fact that during the SC title game, he tears his ACL. So I think we're looking to a very similar situation to what's going on with Jamison Williams to where we could see this. We could see John Mechie start the season on the pup list. Um, granted, I think if he were completely healthy in an alternate reality, obviously, I think he'd have a great shot to be number two on this team in targets. A healthy John Mechie probably rivals Nico Collins to be that number two guy in targets for the Houston Texans uh, behind Brandon Cooks. I'm not out on Davis Mills by any means. I think Davis Mills honestly showed quite a bit of of uh, of polish last season. I know I, I know like the stat everyone loves Daniel away. Jones. Honestly, that's fair. I, I'm honestly not going to argue with that one one bit. Um, you bring in Lovey Smith. You've got Pep Hamilton on this offense. I think there are some interesting pieces here. 
Um, Davis Mills just needs time. He didn't have that many snaps and reps when he was at Stanford due to injuries and various other situations. He's getting those now on the fly. And quite frankly, he looked like a guy who, hey, maybe he's the guy. I think part of the question was, look, this wasn't a great draft class for quarterbacks. We know that. And the Houston Texans had too early of a pick to take a quarterback with. So you go with the best player available at that point. For them, it was Derek Stingley Jr. Um, you can't draft enough athletes, especially on the defensive side of the football. Um, but going back to John Mechie, I think he's an interesting name. But the concern of him starting the season on the pup list likely means he's probably going to be off my radar, especially on drafts. Maybe later on this season, if he's getting targets in a PPR league, I might look more towards him. But more than likely, it's a guy I think we're going to be paying more attention to in Dynasty, but really probably in the 2023 season more than anything. I'm on the same page as you. I, I don't see John Mechie developing into a fantasy asset as a rookie because of the situation with his torn ACL. He's going to miss at least the first couple games of the season, most likely. And then you, you look at the way the targeting went down in 2021. Brandon Cooks dominated 134 targets, and then it was just... A couple targets here, a couple targets there. Nico Collins ended up being second with 60. Then you had David Johnson, 42. Danny Amendola, 38. Chris Conley, 37. And you, you had you had a total this of... This roster was so bad. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You had five guys between 32 and 38 targets, all in that same little range. And I think we're looking at Mechie coming back and just falling into that range where he gets maybe four to five targets a game. Nothing really there for fantasy. But there definitely is hope for 2023. Yeah, I'm not I'm not writing him out for this year. Like I said, it all comes back to his health. If he comes back and he's able to progress quicker than some expect, there's a path where he ends up being the wide receiver two on this team. And given how likely they're probably going to be negative in game scripts, John Mitchell could be a guy that I think gets more production than we're expecting, but I'm not betting on that out the gates. That's a big thing. Um, and I think another guy who I think the majority of us are going to have a lot of questions about was the next receiver came off the board. This is the 18th pick of the second round. This is going to be Tyquan Thornton, the receiver out of Baylor. Oh, boy, there's a lot to digest with this one. Because quite frankly, we can go over the track record of Baylor wide receivers here in recent <laughs> years. And be like, okay, that's enough for me to uh, to look past this. Then we look at the track record of the New England Patriots drafting skill position players. And I'm like, okay, that's strike two. Uh, so it's is there hope for Tyquan Thornton, do you think, Cats, this year? Or are we kind of like... Yeah, we're going to let this pick be what is a better pick probably for the NFL than fantasy. Do you think there's any hope for Tyquan Thornton being fantasy relevant in 2022? Uh, I, I don't. I, I really, I, I want to say that there's something here because the athletic profile is good. He ran a 4-2-8. I mean, he's, he's 6-2, 183. Physically, he can play in the NFL. He was a four-year player, but we're not, he's a second round player. So we're not looking for superstar production here. I think that he's in the wrong, he's in the wrong spot and he's just the wrong player. The Patriots, I know we talked about this uh, off the air a little bit, about potentially changing their offensive scheme. Yeah, that's something I was going to bring up after you brought up your thoughts on him. Yeah, no, I'll let you go ahead. You Bring it up first, and then I'll get to get to my thoughts. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was letting you go into it first where I kind of came in. The question for me is, like, I'm trying to figure out how does the Tyquan Thornton pick make sense? And I'm trying to think about that way because we don't know who the OC is going to be. There's been no clarification on that. So are we looking at a potential scheme change? Um, and this is not something I came up with on my own. I know Brett Coleman, this is kind of something he threw out there too. I think it makes a ton of sense. I was kind of thinking about it a little bit more. It's like, first, okay, you bring in Cole Strange, probably the best move guard in this class. His first step is incredible. He's a guy who you don't necessarily run in a power scheme. You want him more in like in a, a zone gap scheme where you're trying to move guys off base, trying to get wide. That makes the pick of Pierre Strong make more sense at that point, too, because he brings more perimeter speed. He was the tied for the fastest running back 
of this class, a guy who I loved coming out of South Dakota State. The problem is you can't find a lot of film on the Jackrabbits because they're not always on TV. That was the only reason I think Pierre Strong fell a little bit before the combine. But I think he brings a little bit of upside to this offense if they move towards that. And if you do, you want to run a little bit more play action. Tyquan Thornton all of a sudden makes a lot more sense over the top because you're not getting that one to kill Harry. Jacoby Myers is working short underneath and also just never scoring a touchdown. Aside for like that one time where like all of Twitter came together and embraced Tyquan embraced uh, Jacoby Myers for finally scoring a touchdown. And I think you have like Nelson Aguilar as the other like deep target, but he hasn't really done that compared to what he did in that breakout season with Derek Carr in Las Vegas. So I think Thornton makes sense for a for a deep target, but I think that makes more sense for fan, for the NFL than for fantasy. Because I don't know if just a deep target, a deep threat in a Patriots offense is going to do a lot for fantasy managers this year, even if that scheme changes, like I said. Pure speculation. Yeah, Matt Jones last year averaged 3.6 deep ball attempts per game, uh, right around league average. Um, so there no, they're defining deep balls by passes of 20 or 25 yards or more, correct? Yes. I'm not I'm not entirely sure that the Thornton will be on the field enough to be this deep ball threat. Uh, maybe he ends up starting. Who knows? This is kind of just another set of Patriots, like random misfits at wide receiver where there's no clear dominant guy. I know they traded for Devontae Parker. He's going to be their wide receiver one. But uh, I think Thornton be the perimeter two? one. I think Joey Myers still is going to be the top guy in terms of targets. But if you're looking at that guy on the outside, then I think that's where Devontae Parker makes a lot more sense. So we're saying that perhaps Parker and Myers, I think they'll both be drafted in in, in fantasy leagues this year. Are we really oh, yeah, asking Mac, are we asking Mac Jones to support a third fantasy relevant wide receiver? He could barely support two. I just I I don't see I don't see Tyquan Thornton making an impact on a fantasy level as a rookie. Yeah, and also mention too when you get inside the red zone, you got Hunter Henry in there. They still got to figure out how to get Jonu Smith involved in this offense because why are they paying fifty million dollars to a guy just to block is beyond me. Um, but that's a whole different topic for a different day. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't see Tyquan Thornton being that fantasy relevant this year. I think it's probably a better move for the NFL than for fantasy. It is what it is. We'll see if we're, we'll see if we're wrong. Could very well happen. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, Just a couple picks later here in the second round. We'll still kind of stick on this game. Same theme here. Uh, 20th pick of the second round. George Pickens, wide receiver out of Georgia. Talent-wise, George Pickens is a tier one receiver. He could have been up there with the Wilsons, the Burks, the Londons, without question. Um, the problem was he tore his ACL going into his final year at Georgia. Comes back, ends up playing pretty darn well at the end of the year, and even just took Dax Hill's lunch money during the college football playoffs, uh, which will be fun because Dax Hill was drafted by the Bengals. So we get to see that rematch every single year. Um, the Steelers wasn't something that was talked about a lot. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, they really needed wide receiver help. Everyone looked towards the offensive line and quarterback, but they were entering a season where Miles Boykin or Anthony Miller was going to be the number two. I'm sorry, the number three receiver behind Deontay Johnson, who's on the last year of his contract, and Chase Claypool. Claypool is a great vertical threat, 
a guy who does well in manufactured touches, but he's nowhere near a complete wide receiver. George Pickens comes in and absolutely is a more complete wide receiver than Chase Claypool. Whether or not he gets that same target kind of share, I don't know yet, but you're getting a guy who is going to be the alpha of this team. I mean, my God, if you guys saw some of the videos of George Pickens, the way he was, let's call it, he's got a little bit of a hothead temper when he was on the field. He literally slammed a guy's head against Wake Forest into a brick wall. It happens. I'm sure we've all wanted to do that from time to time, or I guess maybe that's just me, you know. I'll just speak for myself, and I don't want you to incriminate yourself, cats. Um, I think the funniest thing I saw was like, look, George Pickens has as good of an odds to make the Pro Bowl his first year as he is to get suspended. And I just started dying laughing when I saw that. Uh, but I think it makes a ton of sense. I love the the fit for the Steelers. I think they needed a wide receiver. I ain't got a damn clue who the quarterback is going to be. Is it going to be Kenny Pickett? Is it going to be Mitch Trubisky? I don't know. But was there a need here? Absolutely. So I love the fit of George Pickens to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that has a lot of fantasy-relevant players, assuming the quarterback gets the act together. I'm a huge fan of Pickens as a talent. I think part of the reason he fell in the draft was the the injury, and the other part is you mentioned some of the off-the-field concerns. There were some yeah, questions yeah. about about his about his motivation and his commitment to football. But I was so sick about hearing motivation and commitment to football stuff this draft. Stop trying to create headlines, people. Like That's all they were trying to do. The Kayvon Thibodeau thing ridiculous stop trying to try stop trying to talk about their commitment to the game do they love the game stop it i'm not factoring it in because the reality is we have no idea what's going on in these players heads we we can't use it as a data point because we just don't know i'm going to assume that george pickens wants to be in the nfl and is happy to be on the steelers and the pittsburgh steelers have a pretty good track record drafting wide receivers uh, I remember when they took Deontay Johnson, I was like, what are you doing? This guy's terrible. He's never going to matter. And two months later, I'm on. I'm just screaming from the rooftops, draft Deontay Johnson. He's amazing. Because I did some more research and figured out, hey, my initial thought was wrong. And this Deontay Johnson is incredible. Receipts. It's all about those receipts. Um, yeah, yeah, I unfortunately, think George makes it. Unfortunately, there, there are negative receipts on me on Deontay Johnson, and it pains me that they exist because I love him so much. But like you said, Deontay Johnson, there's no guarantee he gets extended. He could be playing somewhere else in 2023. Uh, I think so- that's a big thing about it. Look at the receiver contracts that are going on around right now. It's not this Pittsburgh Steelers MO to give out massive contracts. The last time they did to a wide receiver was Antonio Brown. And we see how things happen. Not, not comparing the two sides at all. It's just not the Pittsburgh Steelers mentality typically to give a ton of money to these guys. So we'll see what happens. Um, and also wasn't the only receiver they drafted. Go back into the fourth round. They took Calvin Austin, a guy who was just a massive producer at Memphis. Yes, he is undersized, but he did everything he could do for this Memphis Tigers offense to kind of keep them moving. Um, High-volume guy, incredible amounts of efficiency, too. I think that was one of the biggest things with Calvin Austin, was just how efficient he was, despite being five foot eight and just 170 pounds with back-to-back years of over a thousand yards receiving uh, with 19 touchdowns over his last two years. Everything metrics wise in terms of production, it fits. He's just not that big of a guy. So I think we'll see how he fits into the NFL. Does it kind of take that Ray Ray McLeod role? I think it's very possible at the same time. Ray Ray McLeod was filling in the Judy Smith Schuster role for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, We'll see what happens with Deontay Johnson. But I think between Calvin Austin, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris. I think the future is pretty bright for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I do like Calvin Austin, the way he projects to fit inside this offense. Yeah, ultimately, it really comes down to how well the quarterback can produce. That's and it. it it's, it's unfortunate because I I don't know if they're better off with Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky, but I do know that 
no rookie quarterback has ever produced two top 40 wide receivers, at least, at least in the last 10 or 15 years. It's never happened. And if Kenny Pickett is starting, we can be confident Deontay Johnson is going to be a top 36 receiver. I think he's still going to be top 24. So that suggests that we are fighting an uphill battle to get anybody else even inside that top 40. And Calvin Austin and George Pickens are rookies. Chase Claypool, he, we may agree that Pickens is the better receiver than Claypool, but Claypool's the established number two. And if there is a guy that's going to crack that, it's probably going to be Claypool. Odds are we're looking at an offense where Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, and Pat Frymuth are fantasy are the most fantasy viable guys. And then Claypool has is more of a wide receiver four, and the other two guys just aren't fantasy relevant as rookies. If it's Trubisky, then there's more of a chance just because of the history and track records. But I don't see Calvin Austin as being a fantasy guy. I think he's more of a special teams guy, more of a guy that gets brought on to return punts, which Ray McLeod did last year, and possibly pop off for a play here and there. I know that by the end of the season, McLeod is getting some design plays, and we could see those with, with, with Calvin Austin, but I don't expect it to be enough to have a consistently reliable fantasy role. Yeah. I think for me, honestly, when it comes to fantasy this year, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, obviously I love Najee. When it comes to the pass catchers, um, Deontay Johnson, I got no issue targeting him. I don't know how much Chase Claypool I'm going to have. I think, honestly, at their values, I think George Pickin, where he's going to go in drafts, might end up being a better value than Chase Claypool, where he's going to go in drafts. So if one of them is going to hit, I might bet on the upside of the rookie. Do I like either of them to necessarily be a a top 36 guy? No, probably not. Um, like I said, outside of Deontay Johnson, I'm probably not going to be overly aggressive with another Steelers receiver. I think the big question comes down to, is Najee Harris going to see 94 targets again this year? If not, that's more work coming towards the the pass catchers. So we'll see what happens. Um, right behind uh, George Pickens went Alec Pierce, the 21st pick of the second round to the Indianapolis Colts. Honestly, I did a, a collaborative piece with the guys over at Fantasy Pro, so shout out to them for having me on to do that. And we were talking about the under-the-radar guys who we think could break out this year. My under-the-radar rookie I picked this year, I picked Alec Pierce. The Indianapolis Colts, you bring in Matt Ryan, you're making a commitment to having that quarterback you want on this roster because obviously between the comments from Jim Ursay and everything else, Carson Wentz just wasn't it. And they need a number two. Zach Paschal was a fairly underrated receiver. He actually played pretty darn well for the Indianapolis Colts in his career there. He's now with the Philadelphia Eagles. You're trying to trust on Paris Campbell to stay healthy. Right now, he would be their number two or number three inside the slot. You have a legitimate number one in Michael Pittman who has top 12 upside this year. You look at what Matt Ryan does when he targets his number one guy. He leans on them to be the number one, but who's going to be the number two? Alec Pierce has a fantastic chance to be that number two for the Indianapolis Colts, barring as of right now, at the time we're recording this, T.Y. Hilton is still a free agent. I know they haven't closed a door and bring him back. Even if they did, what are we expecting out of T.Y. Hilton? They couldn't stay healthy last year. Also dealt with that neck issue, came back, played against Houston, and then was out right afterwards. So even if he does come back, I'm not overly worried. They don't have much else behind him. I know Aston Doolin was re-signed. You have Mike Strawn, a seventh-round pick last year out of Charlotte. Right now, Alec Pierce is in a prime opportunity to be the number two on what's going to be one of the better offenses in the NFL. He brings a ton of upside down the field, good size. Maybe I'm wrong here. I'm just have that rookie fever. But I think Alec Pierce might be a guy who should be higher, more likely, on a lot of fantasy draft boards this offseason. 
you said a lot of stuff that I agree with right there. Uh, first and foremost, that's either going to be good or bad. We'll find out in a couple months. <laughs> I am all in on Michael Pittman. I love him so much this year. As I mean, last year, I was I was singing the praises. Deontay Johnson was my guy. I had to have him everywhere. This year for me, that guy is Pittman. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to target Pittman wherever I can. Uh, you you saw how I was about Amon Ross St. Brown last year too. So I mean, it's yeah. There's those guys you just fall in love with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, and I mean, I wasn't huge on Pittman in his first two years, but now I am. And part of the reason is I do believe in Matt Ryan, at least from a fantasy perspective. I'm with you also on the Colts. I bet their win total over. I think they're going to win this division. I'm fading the Titans. Same. And even though the Colts ran the ball 49% of the time last season, I really do think that's going to drop a little bit with Matt Ryan because they had a high Carson Wentz. Matt Ryan, over his career, I mean, are we really going to ask a guy who has several seasons with over 600 pass attempts to all of a sudden throw the ball like 490 times. I'm not saying the Colts are going to become this pass-heavy air raid offense. I'm just saying that they're going to throw, even if it's just one or two more times per game, that matters. That's more targets available. And man, that wide receiver two role is wide open in Indianapolis. You said it. You brought up all the names. Alec Pierce immediately is better than all those guys. And the only possibility is maybe Paris Campbell. But, I mean, at this point... I'm not better on him saying healthy. And he's a slot receiver, too. They're, yeah, they're yeah. completely different roles on this offense. Exactly. They're, dif- they're different roles. And we're talking about a guy who has played in a grand total of 15 games out of a possible 47 to start his career. I just don't... I'm not buying him to stay healthy at all. I like Ashton I hope Doolin. he does. Man, I hope Paris I, do I, I like him. I want him to do well, but I just can't bet on it. And that's that's my biggest thing. It's because of the uncertainty that makes me feel better about Alec Pierce. You brought up the the Indianapolis Colts look in neutral games last year. They were running the they were running the ball. I'm sorry, throwing the ball in 54. percent That was only three percent behind the NFL average of 57. percent And this is a team that we expect to probably be winning quite a few games. Alec Pierce, even when they're up in games and Jonathan Taylor is getting work, there's still going to be room in the passing game for Alec Pierce. So I'm with you when it comes to Indianapolis Colts. I I like this offense just in general. I'm bullish on this team between Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce. John the Taylor, obviously, whatever. I'm I'm in on this one. Um, I think another interesting one. You're either all in or you're all out. Sky Moore uh, went and just a pick right after that to Kansas City Chiefs. Look, I don't fear the Chiefs as much as I did going after the offseason. They had a couple question marks for me, especially defensively. You lost uh, Jadarius Ward. You lost Tyron Matthew on the defense. They kind of mitigated some of those risks by bringing how they well they did in the draft. Also bringing in Justin Reed, the safety from Houston. Offensively, look, you still got Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day, so I'm still going to value this team overall. I just don't fear them as much without Tyreek Hill. Um, but I think this might be a deeper Kansas City Chiefs offense than what many are used to. They're fairly deep when it comes not just at wide receiver with Juju, Michael Hardman, Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez, Scanling, Josh Gordon. Oh, hey, yeah, they got Justin Ross, the UDFA, who I was shocked still did not get drafted. Um, so you can't tell me that no one in that seven, that six and seven, the round had more upside than Justin Ross. I don't buy it. Um, you also have Travis Kelsey on this team. I, I think this one makes a ton of sense. I just don't know how much room there's going to be for Sky Moore to get a ton of targets this year, but he's going to get that boost because he plays with Patrick Mahomes. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me give you a fun little uh, split here with, with Mahomes. And this is an admittedly very small sample size. So it's certainly oh, not my something favorite, we, should, we should draw any long-term conclusions. But in, since taking over a starter in 2018, Patrick Mahomes has played 58 games with Tyreek Hill, averaged 26.47 fantasy points. In four games without Tyreek Hill, 
I'm not saying that he's better without Tyreek Hill. He certainly is not. All I'm saying is that these elite quarterbacks have proven that they're capable of producing at the same level with or without these elite guys because they're just that good. Patrick Mahomes is that good. We've seen similar splits with Aaron Rodgers without his top guys. These elite quarterbacks can produce. So Patrick Mahomes is still going to throw a ton of touchdowns this year, probably 35-plus. Someone's got to catch him. Now, Tyreek Hill being gone does create an opportunity but at the same time, my concern with Sky Moore is I don't think he's going to start from week one. I really don't. I think their week one three-receiver set is going to be Marquez valdez scanning on the outside, McCall Harbin opposite him, and Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot. And perhaps Sky Moore emerges. We've seen this, this path plenty of times with Juju himself as a rookie where these guys don't play much over the first half. They learn the system, they develop a rapport, and over the second half of their rookie season, they start to get more integrated into the offense. That could happen with Sky Moore. I like him. He's an early declare from a small school. I mean, I'm just gushing over the prospect profile, but I need to be grounded in reality here, and he's still a rookie, a second-round rookie at that. I just don't see him starting out of the gate, so I think that anyone drafting him, which I think he will get drafted in your standard-sized 12-team league, and they're going to be disappointed early on. I see him getting dropped a lot week two, week three, when he doesn't really do much and possibly emerging again later in the season based on maybe injuries or just or just improved play. But yeah, Skywar has upside, but I'm not sure if he's going to be a consistently reliable producer as a rookie. So what you're telling me is I probably should be looking to get him off the waiver wire then midseason. That's kind of the path I see for him, yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think it makes a ton of sense. Sky Moore, look, he played 39% of the time in the slot for the Broncos while soaking up like 30% of the targets in his three years there. So he can play kind of back and forth. I, I'm not I'm not discounting the fact I think he could end up starting over top of Mikael Hardman, who just kind of hasn't done it. I think they'll probably give Mikael Hardman the benefit of the doubt early on to see if he can be that, take that next step in this offense like they always wanted him to do. But always remember, they drafted Mikael Hardman because they didn't think they were going to have Tyreek Hill. So they were drafting the Aldi's version of Tyree Kill when they thought he was going to be suspended. That's sorry, that's probably a shot at Aldi's more than anything. Um, but I think Sky Moore could and, and honestly become a a starting receiver on this roster. And if that happens, then honestly, sky's the limit. You know, these signs he's going to race through the sky. Like get ready to all those drinking game jokes because they're going to be coming pretty fast and furiously with Sky Moore. Um, I think there's a chance, but we'll see. Um, we got a few more guys here we can talk about. Like I said, because we're doing these on 2022 focused, there are guys who we don't necessarily project to be more than likely fantasy relevant in their first season. Dynasty, obviously, you want to stash some of these guys. But like Danny Gray, a guy who we could talk about, It's I like him more for Dynasty. I don't know how much we need to talk about him, though, for right now. Um, it is what it's like. Same thing like Jalen Naylor. He's got a chance up there to be like the number four, but it's not someone I like this year right now. Um, I think a name to consider right now we can kind of talk about is going to be Velas Jones. He's been the hot topic of this offseason. He was the first receiver selected in the third round. One of the most prolific kick returners of this draft, but he's also nearing AARP range. (laughs) Granted, Chicago has no one else. From top to bottom, this is the worst roster in the NFL. I'm sorry, Bear fans, Bear Down is what it is. I'm just calling, I'm just saying what it is. You got Justin Fields. I love him as your number one, but what else did you do here? You've got Darnell Mooney. Behind him, it's Byron Pringle. Now you bring in Velas Jones, Daz Newsome, Equinemius St. Brown, Taze Sharp, Dante Pettis. I, it's, I'm sorry, there's nothing here. Velas Jones has a chance to be productive out the gates just based off the opportunity. 
we'll see what happens. You brought in a defensive-minded head coach despite having a very promising rookie quarter. I'm sorry, second-year quarterback. I like Luke Getze as a play caller. We'll see. I'm not high on Velas Jones, but if you're banking on opportunities, the opportunity is there in Chicago. Yeah, I completely agree with you on Velas Jones. 25-year-old rookie, though. I'm just not going to bank on that. Uh, one guy that I'm possibly interested in is one of is from my team. Uh, the Cowboys drafted Jalen Tolbert at the end of the third round. Um, not necessarily in love with him as a prospect, but we're talking opportunity here, and we're talking opportunity on an explosive offense. Amari Cooper's gone, and Michael Gallup, also a late-season ACL tear, probably going to, going to start the season. If not on the pup list, at least he's going to miss a couple games. If, if if he so much as misses week one or two, that's Jalen Tolbert possibly playing oh, in the wide receiver. I'd be shocked if he played those weeks. In fairness, uh, no, I don't think I don't think he will either. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying if if Gallup's not there, which I don't think he will be, Jalen Tolbert's probably going to play in three receiver sets with Ceedee Lamb and James Washington. That at least gives him a chance to to get on the field and do something. Uh, will he be fantasy relevant? Probably not, but we're just looking for guys that may have opportunity. And from from a late third round pick, that's all you can ask for. All in, yeah, I completely agree. I actually liked him coming out of South Alabama with the Jaguars. I thought he also had a really good Senior Bowl. Um, great contested catch guy uh, in the red zone. He's just not a overall polished receiver, but he's going to bring. He's got all the upside moving in this offense. Um, another guy that fell a little bit in the draft was also taken in round three is David Bell, a uh, receiver out of Purdue. Body control wise. Might have the best body control in the class. Like it's between him and George Pickens. Uh, so I love that spot. And he's got a chance to be a very relevant player and get targeted by Deshaun Watson. Um, as of right now, look, Deshaun Watson has not been suspended yet. Um, I know the NFL announced that they will be meeting with him in Texas. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but at least as of right now, Deshaun Watson is a quarterback. Once something changes... Um, not only are you probably likely going to be hearing a podcast from us talking about that, but we'll also update update our projections and what we think. Uh, but yeah, David Bell right now, probably the number three in this office behind Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Beyond that, there's not a ton we haven't missed. I think Eric Ezekuma is a very interesting one because he was also saw his pro day and kind of worked with Wes Welker, the now wide receiver coach for the Miami Dolphins. But he's trapped behind several different players, including Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Uh, but it's a name I would keep an eye on. Uh, great contact balance. Everyone's looking for who's going to be that next Debo Samuel in the Miami Dolphins offense. It takes Debo Samuel to do that. So I would be a little cautious before I'm getting overly optimistic about him in redraft. In Dynasty, I like him. Uh, Khalil Shakir, uh, wide receiver coming uh, out of Boise State for the Buffalo Bills. Love what he brings. Does he work out this year? I don't know. Because they brought in Jameson Crowder to be that slot role to fill in for Cole Beasley who had seen over three, over 100 targets in three straight years. It's just such a loaded offense. I think Khalil Shakir more than likely probably gets more looks next season with Jameson Crowder on a one-year deal. And then all of a sudden, it's through the moon with uh, with Khalil Shakir being targeted by Josh Allen. You still have Stephon Diggs. You've got Gabriel Davis. You've got Isaiah McKenzie still on this roster. Um, so I love what he brings. And this year, too, look, when they get inside the red zone, don't forget about O.J. Howard, a guy they brought into play. You can proceed a little more to uh, two tight end sets. Plus, you also have James Cook. I think James Cook will be involved a lot on passing down situations. And I think for me, the only other guy I would consider is going to be Kyle Phillips, the wide receiver out of UCLA. I labeled him just as a longer Hunter Renfro. Um, the comparison to Hunter Renfro is nothing new. 
He's a white guy who plays in the slot. Everyone's going to call him the next Hunter Renfro. It's like everyone calls every white running back who wears a shade of scarlet and catch the ball the next Christian McCaffrey. It is what it is. We're going to stereotype some of these guys. But I'm actually a big fan of Kyle Phillips. Dude has incredible hands. Body control on the sidelines was fantastic. I did not see him drop a ball. They need someone to play inside the slot on this offense in Tennessee with Traylon Burks as your Z, Robert Woods as your X. I think Kyle Phillips has a really good chance to get off the ground pretty quickly, especially if Robert Woods is still dealing with his ACL injury a little bit. But I think he's a little more of an under-radar, under-the-radar guy in PPR formats. Uh, are there any other guys you're kind of thinking about? To me, those are probably the most closely guys that we're going to see relevant for the 2022 fantasy season. I think you've you've touched on everybody. We've 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 talked about every player we possibly can. Uh, perhaps there's some guys, maybe some UDFAs that emerge that that we're not we're not expecting. If but UDFAs, don't touch them. Don't draft them. Pick them off off the waiver wire. Don't waste a draft spot on a UDFA. I'm sorry, I completely I, agree. Even Justin Ross, I love Justin Ross and what he brings. I'm not drafting him. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean with Justin Ross, you just got to hope that. The injury, he can get past the injuries and he finds a way onto the field. Maybe he does. And if he, if he does, you deal with that when it, when it comes, when the time comes. But for now, I think we've hit on all these receivers. I think that's, uh, that's about everybody that we can possibly uh, view now, as having he, fantasy relevance. If a receiver breaks out that we haven't talked about, then good on them because the dra- they're going to be breaking all the different models. Uh, but with that, we will wrap things up for today's episode of the Premier uh, Fantasy Football Podcast. Powered by Pro Football Network. What we'll do on the next one, we will talk about the tight ends from this class. Well, that might not be the longest episode. I'll just go ahead and kind of give you guys a little bit of warning on that one. Uh, But speaking for Cats, myself, Tommy Garrett, thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the podcast. Make sure to leave a review and like the podcast on whatever platform you choose to listen on. Thank you guys very much, and we'll see you for another episode of the show.